Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Welcome to the River Church in Salem, Oregon. If you're watching online, I'm glad to have you and would love to see in the comments where you're watching from. We've been doing a series. Uh, I've done it one other church, but I revamped it. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? Examining generational curses and spiritual warfare from Scripture. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? Examining generational curses and spiritual warfare from Scripture. Turn where we started every day in your Bible to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers the 23rd chapter. In the 1980s, when I was a little boy, it was common they'd, there'd be guys that would rent hotel ballrooms, and then there'd be Christians that would attend the meetings and have demons cast out of them, and then that went away for a while. And now you have it back again, where you got Christians lining up to get demons cast out of their soul or whatever. So let's go to the Bible and understand it from Scripture. Numbers, very important piece of doctrine. Numbers 23, 13. Then King Balak told him, Come with me to another place. There you will see another part of the nation of Israel, but not all of them. Curse at least that many. So Balak took Balaam to the plateau of Zophim on Pisgah Peak. He built seven altars there and offered a young bull and ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to the king, Stand here by your burnt offerings while I go over there to meet the Lord. And the Lord met Balaam and gave him a message. Then he said, Go back to Balak and give him my message. So Balaam returned and found the king standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. What did the Lord say? Balak asked eagerly. This was the message Balaam delivered. Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not a human being, so he doesn't change his mind. Has he spoken a thing and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And I, I, We've basically stopped there the last two days. To uh, point out, I told you one preacher that I admire that's getting up on 80 years old, he considers that the key scripture in the entire Bible. because And that essentially every full gospel denomination makes their number one point of doctrine. Not that Jesus is the Son of God or Jesus is the only way to heaven. Their number one point of doctrine is that all scripture is inspired by God. That the Bible is inerrant. I had an interesting conversation with uh, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown and Pastor Adonica Howard Brown one time. Uh, My wife was with me. They said, in all of our years of being in charge of thousands of ministers, they said ministers, I'm telling you, thousands of ministers all over the world. They said, we've seen people restored from every different type of, of sin or fall you can think of, except one. We've never seen anybody restored if they start denying that the Bible is not only God's word, but it's supreme over everything. Because that's the anchor. If you lose that, you lose everything. That's where the United Methodist Church is right now. That's where the Presbyterian Church USA is right now. And the Church of England and the congregational churches. Actually, a guy sent me on Twitter yesterday. I was looking. There's a zillion churches up for sale in Southern California. And they're all in those denominations because they decided to start saying... We don't believe what the Bible says about sexuality. And nobody just comes out and says, I don't believe the Bible's the word of God. They just say stuff like, well, God, uh, uh, that's not, Jesus was silent on those issues. 
the, the Bible, it's not the gospels are inspired. It's all scripture is inspired. All scripture is God breathed. Well, homosexuality is only mentioned in the Bible six times. That's five times more than it needs to be mentioned. So you have people, they start, they start playing around with the Bible and picking and choosing the parts that they like and don't like. And uh, some people, they mess with the morality parts. I don't really believe in that. Then other people mess with the blessing parts. I don't believe in prosperity. I don't believe in healing. You're making a huge mistake because all scripture, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, is inspired. And then you have the rule, and I'm not, I'm not doing a, a teaching today on Bible interpretation. You have the rule of uh, where the Bible says, where uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. You can't just, obviously, you can't just take a scripture here and a scripture there and build the doctrine. But I hope you can see, even if you're a, a younger person, that there's been established Christian doctrine for 2,000 years, and all of a sudden now, you're seeing the rapid fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus gave that, uh, and that Paul gave, that in the last days, many will depart from the faith. So you have, you're telling me your church believes marriage is between a man and a woman? Yes, as every church believed up until 12 years ago. Yes. So don't act like we've been teaching something different for 2,000 years, then we got off track. And actually, that's what the attempt's going to be. The attempt is going to be, as these old mainline denominations lose people and money and buildings, they're going to be wide open to fulfill the one world universal church that's prophesied in Revelation. That the Bible says there'll be a one world religious system, one world religious leader. The Antichrist will not just be a political leader. He'll, be, he'll, he'll demand worship. He'll have a statue, the Bible says, that commands that anybody that does not worship him must be put to death. And you can, the churches would line up. They don't have any money. That's why, how many churches during the lockdown closed on Sunday for service, but opened for Monday for vaccinations? It was unsafe to gather to sing and praise God on Sunday, but somehow Monday, if you were getting vaccinated, it was safe when you had the same amount of people coming. Or they, don't, they were closed for worship, but open for food distribution. Why? Because they were getting money from the city or the government for vaccination. I could, I could pull video clips, lots of them, of people saying, now, if you get vaccinated this week, please let them know that Calvary Temple was the church that sent you, and we'll get $5 per congregant that comes. So now that they're weak, it's opening them to get funding from somewhere else. Otherwise, they're going to completely collapse. The Episcopal Church is averaging 22 in attendance uh, on Sunday mornings. Average attendance, 22 people. I don't even know how you do that. That's supernaturally bad. My wife, if, I, if half her cousins came over, we have a mega church. Uh, you can fry chicken and get more people to show up than that. How do you have the word of God and you only have 22 people? Because anytime you hear people say, I'm concerned about the state of the church, you're listening to somebody that doesn't understand the church because the head of the church, and then if you don't understand that, you get into this thing where you feel like you need to defend the church and call ministers out and this shouldn't be allowed to go on. You're not the head of the church. A denomination's not the head of the church. Who's the head of the church? Does he know what he's doing or does he need some management help? No. He's been a great custodian of the church for 2,000 years. So what happens is when these denominations get off doctrinally, the, the plug gets pulled on them. I heard one preacher say, God's the only boss that'll fire you and let you keep working for him. And that's what happens. These people can't even put two and two together that you got nine people sitting there. You know, we don't have any money and we don't have enough money to repair the roof. Let me tell you something. 
for all the ministers that are here and that are watching. I'd pay attention to that. God speaks to people by money. Just like you have testimonies where people, God speaks to people to start something and there's no money. And then as they obey, the money comes from everywhere. I'd pay attention. If the last three months our ministry had lost a quarter million dollars and the meetings were shrinking, I'd start paying attention to what I was preaching. Rather than, and this goes right in line with what I'm talking about and what I'm going to talk about today. Why do people gravitate to a teaching that they're demon possessed or they have demons? Because it takes personal responsibility away from you. You know, I'm being attacked right now. The Bible says the curse causeless shall not come. I read you two nights ago, Paul prospered in prison. Paul prospered on a, on a prison ship. If things are going down, you're losing people. You don't come up with some doctrine. How many know after all the blind eyes Jesus opened? There was still only 120 in the upper room. Yeah, for like 10 days. And then the Holy Spirit came and it went to 3,120 on opening day. The Holy Spirit brought multitudes uh, to hear the word of God. Churches are not only supposed to grow, churches are commanded to grow. I took a stand on that when we started our church in Pittsburgh. I, started, I actually would teach in the daytime when we do our prayer services on mega church. And I, I titled the series, On the Road to a Thousand. I did that on purpose. Number one, death and life's in the power of the tongue. Started speaking it with 31 people in attendance. And then secondly, I did it to run off every type. Because you start a new church, you've got disgruntled Christians that come. They're welcome to come. But if you're of some mentality, the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they agree? If you're one of those people, I actually prefer a small church. Then don't, don't come to my church. Because Jesus doesn't prefer a small church. He said that churches are to multiply. Can you say amen? There's nothing wrong with a church starting small. Jonathan, I believe God has a plan for small churches. Yes, to win souls, disciple them, and become large churches. Someone explained to me how a, how a pastor can follow the commands of Christ to, to go about. It's not a profession. It's not a speaking profession. To go about winning the lost establishing them in church and doing that week by week. Let's say you only do, um, uh, you average eight new people a week, right? And you lose on average three people a week, you know, on average. Because you have families leave, people move. Somebody gets transferred from Salem up to, up to uh, uh, Billings, Montana or whatever. That happens. So let's say just small numbers, eight people, you average picking up, going out in the street, getting them in church, eight a week. And three, you lose. So five a week. So five times four is 20. Times 10 is 200. So in 10 months, you would be up 200 people making eight disciples a week that are planted in church, losing three people a week. That's in 10 months, 20 months. In less than two years, you'd be at 400 plus. So if you had 40 people, you'd be at 440. In two years, there's no way to understand maths and say that church should maybe common core math, but there's no way to understand math and, and have any idea that a church can remain small because the, a church has a task, which is what did Jesus say? The son of man was sent to seek and save those who are lost. You're to be, go out into the highways and the hedges, compel people to come in. So even those meager numbers, I'm not, we, we could win a hundred people a week. Yeah, you could, but people aren't going to do that. Eight a week, one a day, the whole congregation can't produce one a day. You don't have a church. People, if you say, well, our, our people don't do that. Let me tell you something as this is turning into a, a pastor's conference instead of a teaching on demons. <laughs> 
Say this out loud. Say this out loud. People follow the pastor. You know, the stuff people say as leaders, I don't know how they don't know this principle. I'd be embarrassed. You know, our people don't give. Then you don't give. A generous pastor has generous people. Whatever spirit is in the leader is transferred into the people. If you've got some sad, depressed pastor, you can say, how many of you are battling depression? Every hand goes up. You have a happy, joyful, uh, uh, bubbly pastor, happy, joyful, bubbly pastor's wife. It attracts happy people. Our church in Pittsburgh is a happy church. People are having fun. I'm having fun from the pulpit. Whatever the leader does, the people do. Or our people don't pray. Then you don't pray. Our people don't win souls. Then you don't win souls. I'm telling you right now, if I took a church, I don't care if it was in the woods in Idaho or Montana, and there were nine people there, I wouldn't get on my knees and pray, oh, Lord, send people. I would do what the Bible says. Go out as the pastor. Begin to tell them. I did that. Anybody watching our church back home in Pittsburgh this week on your way to this church? Do you know Dr. Morocco's there from Maui? Do you know how I met him? He pastors the largest church in Maui. I went back to a town called Hana when I was 23 on a missions trip. And I found out that that town had no church. And I, it bothered me. So I started going back there. I had no team. I went door to door in the subdivisions. Hello. And got stared down. I didn't know that was the head of the Hawaiian sovereignty movement. And they hated white people for taking their land. I had to tell them, I also don't have any land. Mine was also taken from, by white people. So... I want to tell them and make them laugh. I say, whatever problems you have with white people, I've dealt with them more. I have more problems with them. And they laugh. I go door to door. I'm, my name's Reverend Shuttlesworth. I'm meeting down at Helene Hall this week for three nights at 7 p.m. to pray for people and preach the gospel. I'd love to have you. All right, nod their heads, shut the door, one after another. And then start 22 people, 31 people. Then we had that lady get healed of cancer and her deaf ear come open because the radiation had destroyed her auditory nerve and everyone knew her because it's a small town. Everybody knows each other. So then people start coming and the mayor asked me to please come back at least once a year as long as he's the mayor to bless the people. And it started to grow. And then we acquired a building. And then I didn't know Dr. Morocco personally, but I knew who he was, that he, he had pastors under him. And I was in my 20s or early 30s. I had no ability to oversee a church, so I plugged that church once I got a full-time pastor in there and was paying the salary as they raised their salary. Um, Once the church, because I didn't want to give them a burden, hey, I started a church for you, you owe $4,000 a month. Once I got it where it was established, and let me say this for pastors that are watching, you know, I'm not able to take a full-time salary. Ten tithing families is one full-time salary. And so if you can't get ten families, you don't belong in the ministry. A minister is to get lose all the excuses about principalities and witches. Nobody can curse what God has blessed. If God's called you into the ministry, you need to lower your shoulder and make up your mind. I'm not going to have a small, unimpactful ministry. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to be who God's called me to be. And I'm telling you, God's going to light a fire in your spirit today. You're going to go to another level before January 1st in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, can you say amen? So I did that. So if you think, well, you have a big church and a plane. I didn't have any of those things then. I had me. But you read the Bible, it's a, it's a disgrace to the blood of Jesus for a church to remain small. Nothing's wrong with starting small. The Bible tells you specifically, despise not the day of, for it, it delights the, the Lord to see the work begin. 
God links, you're launching out, please. You know, there's nothing wrong with starting out in a storefront that seats 60 people. But if you're still there nine years later, you're getting into dangerous ground. Because the Bible says, turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke, the 13th chapter. Verse 6. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Do you know you can disappoint the Lord? Yeah, thanks for all the amens. Jonathan, don't you know you're preaching in America and there's nothing we can do? There's nothing we don't do. It's all his grace. Amen. That teaching has crippled this country. There's a task that a minister has been given. There's a task that believers have been given. It's not a pastor, just the pastor, an evangelist. You know, I would t- I'm glad I have a church now because people, whether they like me or not, they at least have to be quiet. Because before I'd preach like this, I'd say, well, you talk like that because you're an evangelist. First of all, what did Paul tell Timothy, who was a pastor? Do the work of an evangelist. Soul winning. They hear people, I, I have more of a prophetic ministry. No believer is exempted from winning the lost. No ministry gift is exempted from winning the lost. The job of a Christian, Jesus paid a debt that he did not owe. Now we owe a debt of love to him and to mankind to take the same thing that changed our life and bring it to other people. Can you say amen? So you do that. I did that in in Hana, and it grew, and that's how Dr. Morocco that's preaching at my church, that's how we met. I didn't make a big deal about it. I just called his organization and said, I have a church for you in Hana. This is the pastor. I'd like to bring them under your organization so you can do oversight. And then I get a call from him a month and a half later. Who is this young preacher that just turned a church over to our fellowship with a pastor in that, that's self-supporting? Why'd you do that? I said, I said, because I know who you are. I drive by your big church every time I land at the airport. And uh, I knew you'd do a better job than me. I'm only in my 30s. And he said, he said, well, the next time you come, I'd love to have you come preach at my church. I didn't do it for that reason. But when that door did open up, after going back in the backwoods of Maui by myself, having people give me the middle finger and stuff for inviting them to church, and no one know and no one care, and then stand up and there be at the biggest church in Maui with 3,000 people and preach. It was all I could do not to cry because I saw how the kingdom works. When you go after people no one wants and opportunities no one wants, God will give you the thing that everyone wants because the natural thing would have been for me to go straight to his church when I landed in Maui. Excuse me, my father's uh, Tiff Shuttlesworth. My uncle's Ted Shuttlesworth. I think you know them. I'm here in Maui. Would you have a Wednesday night or Sunday? No. I went back and rented my own hall with my own money. That Hawaii thing changed my life because up until then I was a normal evangelist who you give your plane receipts and hotel receipts and dry cleaning bills and and, and the pastor pays for everything and you're just a guest speaker. God used that to break me out of that because there was nobody to submit my travel to. There was nobody, there was no church to preach in. I had to learn how to negotiate to rent at 26, a building and get a place to stay and rent it. That put me in a different mode like Paul, where I, Paul said, I always took care of the expenses of those who traveled with me. That's why I told our team, 
I said, I said, I don't want our team fed. I'm not one of those ministries that says we take care of our own thing, but then everybody's lurking around needing fed and housed. Nobody knows where I'm staying. No one knows how our team's eating. I learned how to do that. I'm not a burden. I'm a blessing. I'm not coming looking for help. I am the help. That's what the church has to come back to the realization of. You're not sent looking for help with your hand out. You have something in your hand to be a blessing to this world. And you are going to be a great blessing to this world in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, take 15 seconds and celebrate it. And I'll tell you, if you get in that mode, you never have opportunity to complain because you're never thinking about what someone should have done for you. Your mind's constantly thinking about what you can do for others. You know, I had, uh, I'm just giving an example. I, had, I, I love Pastor Lou. He's my, you know, preachers call every preacher their friend. I don't. Pastor Lou's my friend. If he never had me preach the rest of my life, it wouldn't change. I'm not a minister like that. If I'm your friend, I'm your friend. If he joins and becomes a Buddhist and does karate fights for the rest of his life, I'm his friend. I'm not his friend so he can ha- have me in to preach or whatever. So I like him. So I was thinking when we were at that restaurant, I, I, I said, Abraham, find out what the biggest steak is they have and have it waiting for him after church. How can I bless my friend? I wonder what Pastor Lou's going to give me before I leave town. You know, one of the most freeing things in my life has been how high our budget is last year and this year. I need about 1.3 million a month to break even. There's no way to fix. If you need 4,000 a month to break even, you can kind of figure that out. I can sell my wife's gold teeth. I can sell my my mother's uh, Richard Petty collector plate set. Your mind can kind of start working on how if you hit a deficit of 900 bucks or 2,000 bucks, I can take out a loan against my car. You get to 1.3 million. You can't even worry. There's no sense in worrying. If God doesn't help me, I'm screwed. So I don't have to think of anything. So all I think about is giving because there's no way to think, you know, what am I going to do? Call a church. Um, Is there any way you could give me just for the week? I would need about four or 500,000 if you can help me out. What's the dial tone for? Everybody say absolute dependency on God. And that's what I have. I thank God for all our partners. I thanked them, many of them yesterday. But anybody that calls our ministry and says, we're not going to be able to continue supporting the ministry. We, my husband lost his job or whatever happened. They're saying, well, you know, maybe you could, um, we're, we really need that right now. No, I said, I said, first of all, thank you for anything you gave. Nobody owes me anything. So you never had to send one month of supporting. I'm thankful for you. Man is not my source. God is my source. And because God's my source, I have zero pressure in life. Because the 1.4 a month, I mean, that's minimum. We've been having 2 and 3 million come in a month routinely out of nowhere. You know, a lady, a lady flies up and drops off a check for a million dollars. That's why when I get around ministers, you know, we don't have um, people in our church like that. She doesn't go to my church. We don't have people. Our, our region's actually a very depressed area. She doesn't live in my region. My source is not Pittsburgh. My source is not the local economy or dependent upon either of those things. God is my source. And if I follow his instruction, it leads to my profiting. Can you say amen? 
Yeah. First Timothy chapter four, verse eight. Timothy, godliness is profitable unto all things. Nobody pursues God at a loss. As you follow God's instructions, it doesn't bring you backwards. It brings you forwards. I said, as you follow God's instruction, it doesn't bring you backwards. It brings you forwards. I said, if you follow God's instruction, it won't lead you backwards. It leads you forward. You know, and the devil will try to get you crossed up on that. We had a lady get saved when I was doing the Philadelphia crusade. And she came up to me all brokenhearted on Friday night. She said, Jonathan, I came to the altar to give my life to the Lord. But, and when she said, but, I finished her sentence for her. I said, you live with a man in an apartment and you're not married to him. And he said, if you won't have sex with him anymore now that you're a Christian, then you can't live there and you have no place to live. How'd you know? Because the devil's got like four tricks. He's got no new tricks. He's got like four, six, maybe seven at the most. How'd you know? Because I, I know my enemy. Paul said, we're, we're not ignorant of his schemes and devices. So when I'm talking about spiritual warfare, I'm not, I'm telling you how the devil works. He, he gets people in wrong mindsets. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, I know it's easy for me to say standing at the altar. Do you think the Lord's calling you to not live like that to, so you can be homeless now? Or do you think God's got something better for you if you're willing to part from the life of sin? And she said, yeah, but how it's gonna, how's it going to work out? I said, well, there's where you get into the, the life of faith. It's not your job to figure out how it's going to work out. It's your job to obey. Obey out of a heart belief. But I promise you, you're not going to read one character in the Bible that was rich, decided to follow God and became poor. But you're going to read a slew of people that were the lowest of the low and decided to obey God. And when they were done, God set them on high above all the nations of the world. And I'm telling you, there's a new generation of people that are going to ascend to that place. And they're sitting and standing here today. The great people of Oregon that are going to rise up in the spirit and do a great work for God. You're not out there somewhere. You're here. God has you here for such a time as this. And he's going to use you to destroy the plans of the devil. If you believe it, can you say amen? So that's a, everybody say be a giver. Look for who to bless. Yeah, it, it takes you out of, you know, they only gave me this. People don't have to give me anything. Now don't steal from me. Well, that's why we use our own offering envelopes. It was amazing how we started doing that. The offering started tripling. What a miracle. But it's not anybody's job. You know, I'll, I'll go preach for a guy. The pastor goes, we really want to see you blessed while you're here. I'm already blessed. Do you know one of the largest offerings I received this year? I was at a steakhouse in Dallas. And a guy walked over across the dining table and said, I want you to know we watch you on television and YouTube. And you've really blessed my life. I wanted to give you this. He handed me a check. When I got in the car, it was $100,000. I wasn't taking an offering. I was eating broccoli. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Say, I'm not out looking for blessing. Blessing's out looking for me. Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. If you'll get that mentality, I'm a minister because that's the assignment God has on my life. But I don't have to take an offering to receive money. Money will find me. When you give. You are due a harvest regardless of what you're doing. Whether you're in a steakhouse, this watch that I have is a very fine watch. I got that in a, in a valet parking lot. I was at a hotel and a guy came over. My, I gave my life to the Lord watching you preach about five years ago. My business took off. 
And the Lord spoke to me to give you the nicest thing I ever bought for myself from that business. Two of the, two of the highest level gifts I received, and the highest level gift I've received this year was that check for a million dollars from a woman that was out of state that flew up through, literally, a check for a million dollars at my wife and left. Wouldn't even stay for lunch. And you know what happened that week? I was getting ready to go to California, Indio, California, um, whatever month that was, May. And I was going to teach all week at the church in the day and broadcast at night. And the Lord spoke to me. Rest for the meeting next week in California. Well, all right. Easy for you to say. I told you what our budget is, so natural thinking, that's a recipe for disaster. Not do, not do any work, not, not sow any word, but you only have to tell me to rest once. You know, sometimes God, if you follow God's leading, sometimes he'll lead you into times of fasting and prayer and study, and sometimes he'll tell you to chill. If you follow the Holy Ghost, you don't break down. I, I, I wake up every morning at six. And I, okay, that's you. But the Holy Ghost, God's not a taskmaster. Jesus is not a wicked master. He's actually interested in taking care of you. Can you say amen? amen. You stay home this week and rest for California. And, I'll, and I wasn't tired. You rest up and I'll take care of the week. All right. Well, Monday nothing came in. Tuesday nothing came in. Wednesday nothing came in. But I didn't care. Again, if I start at this level, if I start trying to use my head about how I'm going to, I'll just, I'll, I'll be on heart medication by Christmas time. I'll have a stint by March, but it's not my problem. It's not my ministry. It's God's ministry. It's my job to do what he tells me to do. So Adonis calls me in the afternoon on Thursday. Are you coming into the office today? So I thought maybe she's worried and she's less worried. I thought, what, is it that bad? You're going to get to work? I said, no, I told you I'm resting all week. She said, well, do you think you could come in? I said, you mind telling me what's going on? She's never called and asked me to come in, into the church or anything. She said, I, I want to show you. I said, no, I'm curious now, so tell me. Is there a problem? We got served with a lawsuit. What happened? She said, uh, let me put you on FaceTime. And she showed me that check for a million dollars. She said, a lady flew up here and threw a check for a million dollars on the desk and left. And it cleared. And, and, and that, was, that, was, that wasn't the only money that came in that week. That was our best week. I think $1.4 million came in that week, and I never preached or taught one time. Because the Lord will show you, it's not about your effort. I'm obeying God because it's my assignment, but I'm not working. And Pastor, do you know what the offerings are this week? We haven't counted any of them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't take the offerings home and dump them out on my hotel bed and count them like a heroin dealer. They're hermetically sealed. They're, they're, they're shipped home and, and counted in a room with three or four people. Because how have the offerings been? I don't know, and I don't care. I like not knowing. What if they're high? And I say, yeah, I won't take an offering the next couple of days. But then the Lord wants somebody to hear that message. And then what if they're low and I start pushing in the direction of money because I get in the flesh and God wanted me to be on another subject? I love just being completely ignorant and getting a, getting a nice surprise. Two weeks from now when it's counted. I'm not worried. I'm following the Bible command. I'm not worried about anything. But in all things in prayer and supplication, let your requests be known unto God. Cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Now, let me just stay on this flow while I'm at it. And I'm not going to take a show of hands of how many people 
are here in the ministry and then you don't know how many are watching online. There are things you can do where you shoot so small, God's not interested in getting involved. If you can make it happen without God's help, you're not going to see God's help because you don't need it. You've picked something, start reaching for something in line with your calling. Everybody say, in line with my calling. That's bigger than what you can do. That involves, Father, I have no chance of doing anything I'm doing without your help. That's where faith will start to work. And so I can tell. I can tell by buildings people choose for their ministries or, 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 or whatever. You've chosen to do something, and you'll hear them talk. I'd love to have something like that, but we don't really have that in the budget. I haven't had anything in the budget that we've done. I didn't have 24.8 acres of land uh, 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 in the budget or, or a $4 million church building. And then how many of you watched the Spider-Thon? Well, that, that week that the, the million dollars came in, what did I tell the, the crowd? I said, we're getting ready to put a building on land that was given to us. I said, the normal thing would be to go to PNC Bank and try to get a loan. I said, I'm going to go. I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to give God a chance to move and see if he'll help me. And the money came in. I mean, I mean if, you were, if you were winning one slot machine after another at the casino downtown, you wouldn't have a million dollars come in in a week. And, and, and we were just talking, having fun, eating ice cream with Pastor Rodney. And then it came. Why? Because God honors faith. I said, God honors faith. Where you say, I... In myself, I can do nothing. I have a low capacity without God. But with you, I can do all things. Because you have riches and glory. You have strength. You are the most high God. So I'm not going to reach small. I'm going to reach big. In Jesus' name. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk about the devil, but I want to talk about faith. Hebrews 11. Somebody say this out loud. Faith to change your world. Faith 11.1. Sorry, Hebrews 11.1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. If you would, these scriptures I'm going to read, don't put them up in the New Living that I'm reading out of. Put them in the uh, Amplified. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see and the conviction of their reality. And then in the Amplified, I believe it says, faith perceiving is real fact what has not yet been revealed to the natural senses. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. So faith is not hope, but faith can't work apart from hope. What would you like? Whatever the Lord wants. You'll get nothing. I've grown up around those people my whole life. That's, faith can't work that way. There has to be a desire in your heart like Jabez had. Lord, increase me. Enlarge my territory. That's not selfishness. That's born out of an obedience to what God's commanded. He told you to multiply. So it's actually out of the will of God for you to say, um, I'm not interested, you know, whether our church grows or not. That sounds holy, but it irritates God. These three years I've come seeking fruit from this tree, and I found none. The Bible says, and he was always disappointed. I didn't finish uh, Luke 13. And he said, cut this tree down, for it's merely taking up space in my garden. But the gardener, Christ, said, let me dung it and fertilize it and give it special attention for one more year and see if I can do it again. That's what these kind of messages are. They're God waking you up and telling you, I'm going to give you another year to, to not be a servant that disappoints me. 
that's not going to stand before me empty-handed. Because though we're not at the white throne judgment, the believer is at the beam of judgment. Where all their works, gold, silver, precious stone, some wood, hay, and stubble. The Bible says every believer will present their works, not God's grace, their works. Does that mean that's not about works? Your salvation is not about works. But after you get saved, you better get your butt to work. Because faith without works is dead. And you'd be amazed. You know, churches are trying to get 5%, 7% of their crowd to volunteer. They got a thousand people in their church and are trying to get 50 volunteers out of a thousand. The way I preach, we have, at one point, we had more volunteers than members. I had to tell people, now listen, you're working here. Think of joining the church. Because we don't put a premium on attendance. We put a premium on what are you involved in to build the church? What are you doing with your life to build the kingdom of God? I'm not doing that. to Some people make it sound like you have to do something to earn God's love. But I'm thankful whether I win a hundred souls today, whether I win no souls doesn't change how much he loves me. I'm not doing it trying to get God's love. I'm doing it motivated by my love for God that because he loved me and died for me and saved me and then the only thing he asked in return now take what I've given you and go find the other people that are like what you were and tell them that I'm a healer that I'm a Holy Ghost baptizer that I'm a deliverer call them to repentance before I come back then out of that love for God I wake up in the morning and say I will use my life today to practically build the kingdom of God can you say amen Somebody say practically. practically. Build the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Yeah. This is what, what's practical. Sometimes the best way to understand something is to understand what it's not. I'm just tearing down strongholds. We build the kingdom. We build the kingdom. No, you're nuts. Build the kingdom of God. You know, take whatever this place looked like with water stains and damaged and see a church and put carpet in. And roof it and lights and what Pastor Luther, that's practical building. I mean, that church isn't about a building, said people without faith for a building. I mean, no, church isn't about a building. What do you think? What, are you trying to like set us back 2,500 years or 4,000 years? There's a reason there's buildings. What does a church need a building for? Rain, mosquitoes, lightning. Wind, Antifa. It gives you a structure you can protect the people. You're not just sitting out exposed to wolves. There's a lot, there's a lot of reasons for a building. You hear all these dummies. Church, church isn't about a building. I have church in my heart. Oh, yeah, you have like a little heart parsonage with a little heart pastor. Cuckoo, cuckoo. I operate by grace. No, I think you operate by Xanax. And I think you grind it up and snort it, but those are just guesses. I detest with every fiber of my being the impractical pretend Christianity. You're just going to go to war against the devil right now. The devil's going, what are these people doing? Send a demon and get him some leg warmers. They're doing 80s aerobics thinking they're pulling down strongholds. 
And as much as charismatics think that's doing something, let me ask you a question. Who was doing damage to the kingdom of Satan? Some charismatic church that was pulling down strongholds? Or Billy Graham with Madison Square Garden packed with New York unbelievers telling them about John 3.16, calling them out of darkness and into the light, and then having a plan to get them into church on Sunday. It's time to do away with pretend Christianity and rise up and say, I'm going to do something that makes actual impact. Somebody say, I make impact that can be seen. Yeah, I got to kick all that out of people. I grew up in it. Man went to heaven and said, God, who's the greatest Christian that ever lived? And God said, you wouldn't even know his name. Whatever. <laughs> if you impact people, whether you're looking for, was Billy Graham looking for fame? No. Was Billy Graham's goal to be one of two private citizens that were buried in the national, or, or viewed in the national rotunda in Washington, D.C.? Was Billy Graham's goal to get Billy Graham Parkway named after him in North Carolina? Was his goal to have a ministry so big that when you wrote him a letter, you just wrote Billy Graham, Minneapolis, Minnesota? Were any of those his goals? Was his goal to have every president from Truman, right? I think Truman, all the way up through, uh, what, the Bush, have every one of those presidents Bring him in for private counsel. Was that ever on his radar? No, it wasn't. But it is impossible to go after souls and bring healing to people. What about William Booth? William Booth was going in the other direction. He wasn't trying to reach rich people. He was going after children who had, were missing fingers and hands from, work, from factory work that were thrown out in the street that didn't have food. Going after the poor and the blind, the people no one wants. But there's a principle in the Bible. When you go after effectively people that no one wants, God begins to send you the people that everyone wants. In the kingdom, the way up is the way down. When you go after people that society has forgotten and people don't like, God will elevate you. When you demote yourself, you're in line for a promotion from God. And I know there's people here today. You are in line today for a practical promotion motion from the most high God. You're not staying where you're at. You're going to go to another level. You're going to be a kingdom builder in Jesus mighty name. If that sounds like you, let your amen be the loudest. Somebody explain that to me. Somebody explain to me. No, no one knows. I mean, it's the things we do in secret. Not only, even if you're doing it in secret, there's a God that said, what you do in secret, I reward openly. Billy Graham got that. William Booth got it. I'm always referencing it, and I haven't taken the time to look it up yet. I think they had to do his viewing for six days in England. Hundreds of thousands of people lying in London, crying their eyes out. One time he called all his leaders together. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, called all his leaders together back in London and said he got a word from the Lord and was going to send it to him by telegram. So they're all waiting for this, like, powerful word. The guy opens up and reads it to his leaders. Others. That's it. The Lord spoke to me about others. There's other people that we've not reached yet that we have to reach. William Carey, the father of modern missions. You can go wherever you need to go. You look nervous. All right. Somebody say others. That's right. That's Christianity. Christianity is not sitting in a coffee shop and Instagramming with a nice filter, your latte and open, spending time with Abba today. Great. Now, get, now that you're done, go, go do what Abba told you to do. This is not Buddhism. This is not Buddhism. This is not get a robe and go live up in the mountains and commune with God. 
Even when Jesus did that, 40 days and 40 nights, he came down and went to the temple and preached. And for the next two chapters, the sick are coming to be healed. Deaf ears are coming unstopped. Demons are coming out. And the crowd is being touched by the power of God. If you have a Christianity that exists within six feet of yourself, you're in danger of not making heaven. Because a sign of a Christian, faith without is in the amplified, inoperative Utterly useless. Where, where is that? Uh, faith without works is dead. James what? Five? Let me look. Two seventeen? Two twenty-six. Put it up in the amplified. I believe it says inoperative, utterly useless. James two twenty-six. Just as the body is dead without breath. That's talking about actual deadness. Just as the body is dead without breath. So faith without works is dead. Can you do a regular amplified? That's amplified classic. AMP. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I'm, a, or maybe I have the wrong translation. Just as the body without breath is dead. So faith without works is also dead, inoperative, utterly useless. It's like staring into a jellyfish. <laughs> this must be what it feels like to be high. <laughs> Somebody say it out loud. Faith without works, faith without works. is dead. So when you have people teaching you, basically mocking works. Some of these people think they have to preach twice a day. I just rest in his grace. Grace is an empowerment to do great works for God. Can you say amen? amen. So it's not you're trying to earn your salvation. It's that if you have faith in Christ, what is faith in Christ? It's obeying his word. If you love me, obey my word. Those who love me will keep my commandments. There is, it is impossible to love Christ and not have actual outward proof of your love for Christ. You know who said that? Jesus. Those that love me will obey my commandments. When Peter sinned, what did he tell Peter? Peter, Simon Peter, lovest thou me? Yes, Lord. Okay, you love me? Then do what? Feed my sheep. Simon Peter, lovest thou me? You, yes, Lord. Feed my lambs. Simon Peter, lovest thou me? Yes, Lord. Then feed my lambs. Love has proof. I'm in Oregon out of love for God, love for Christ. That's my motivation, to touch people here. And, and I've been touched. People driving down from Washington and Idaho. Weren't you supposed to leave yesterday? Right after now. Stayed next to people staying and coming, people from locally, pastors coming in, taking the week off. I'm touched. People are hungry. I want to be used by God. They used to sing a song growing up. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'm making proof of my love for God. God doesn't have to wonder whether I love him. Now you could preach twice a day, 50 uh, weeks a year and not do it out of love. You could do it out of wanting to build an empire. That's why I read that book. And, and, and promote that book, Purposes, Plans, and Pursuits by Kenneth Hagin, where God talked to him about it's not just what you're doing, but the motive of what you're doing it by. 
that if the motor's wrong, that's what Paul talked about in the love chapter. If I give my body to be burned and, and I, I give everything I have to the poor, but I don't have love, I'm like a tinkling brass or a clanging cymbal. It's motivated. It's not just action. It's love. I am giving you the secret to a world of unending breakthrough. Love motivated continual kingdom action for God is the path to endless breakthrough. You find what your calling is. You find what your lane is and then put your foot pedal to the metal and say from this day forward I'm going to burn out for God. I'm going to go fueled by his love and do great and mighty things by the power of the most high God. Come on if that sounds like you can you give the Lord a mighty amen. Somebody say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And, and people shouldn't have to wonder about it. They should know that you love them. Love has proof. Faith without works is dead faith. Utterly useless. So there's that word twice. Luke 13. Cut the tree down. It's useless. It's taking up space in my garden. And then James. There's warnings in the New Testament about not having a useless faith. Who would want to stand before Jesus in here? Your mansion's over there. You've lived 70 years and impacted nobody. And if you're not careful, you'll do that because time goes quick. How did it go from September 1st to September 20th in 30 minutes? We just hit a new month and it's over. I was meaning to turn my um, September newsletter into my staff. That ship sailed. On to October. If you don't take conscious effort to, what does the Bible say as a command? Redeeming the time for the days are evil. What does that mean? Pastor Enoch Adeboye said it means packing twice as much into each day as every day is meant to hold. I'm not looking to pat myself on the back and put me as an example. But when we drove to the hotel Sunday night, I said to Abraham, I said, I guarantee you the Lord's pleased with us today. Because I, I could not have packed more into today. I woke up and preached in Pittsburgh hard and prayed for people and left looking like I jumped in a pool. I looked like 1996 TD Jakes. And then I went and showered and changed into another suit and got, to, got on the plane and flew across to Oregon and hit it again and gave it everything I got. And when I, when I went to the hotel that night, I didn't have an ounce of energy left. I hit it and, I, and it wasn't because from goofing off. I didn't go hiking. It was energy expent for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Working together with somebody that's not a waste of time to work together with. The crowd, the church is double where it was at when we came last time. So, so we help each other. I, he told me he watches me because of the time difference, getting ready for church. When I'm preaching, it's about 8 o'clock here, and he watches it to get ready. Iron sharpens iron. We're friends. So, so it, it's, a, it's a mutual investment. I love coming back and seeing the church bigger. Makes me happy in a time when churches are shrinking and churches are going up on the market for sale. This one's running out of space, going in the other direction. Can you say amen? And it's not by accident. Going to work, refusing to shut down, 
holding big overseas-style crusade right in downtown Salem, Oregon. Not in some back room somewhere tearing down principalities, out in public, preaching the gospel, calling people to repent, hitting the sword of the Spirit right into the heart of the devil. That's the secret. I can see right here that God's raising up an army in Oregon that has not bowed to Baal, that will not kiss his face. There's a fresh anointing coming on you today. You're not going to watch the devil take over your state. You're going to be used by God to destroy his work in Jesus name say it out loud I'm busy about the master's work turn to Hebrews chapter 11 again go to verse 6 Hebrews 11 6 you can put that up in, in the amplifier if you don't have Amplified, you don't, you don't have to meet with Pastor Lou in the front row. It's fine. I'm not going to snap at anybody. I had breakfast and coffee. I feel great. Minimum, I'm at six out of the nine fruit of the Spirit this morning. Minimum, maybe seven. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not difficult. I ain't preach on faith so much. Without, well, number one, you can't get saved without faith. Number two, you can't please God without faith. Yeah. Worth preaching on. Without faith, it's not difficult to please God. It's impossible to please God. So everybody say this. Love born works for God. B-O-R-N-E. Love born works for God. And then say faith born works for God. That's why the Bible says faith works by love. So number one, your love is motivating you to go reach people. Number two, then you start using your faith. Thanks for putting that up. Without faith, it's impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists or that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Those are the two platforms faith stands on. So now you have love that's fueling your work for God. And then now you, the Bible says to mix faith in with your love. So yeah, out of a love for God, I could go run around and try to win people to the Lord one-on-one -on -one, all day, every day. But there, there's better ways if I start using my faith. You know, the Lord told me one time, one, one time, soon, you'll never stand up to preach, it won't matter where you are, that there's not at least a thousand people watching you at a time. And we hit that this year. If you had the live crowd, then plus who's watching concurrently, not total views, but concurrently on YouTube and the Revival Today app and Facebook, it's over a thousand almost any time I take the mic and soon it'll, it'll, it'll be over and keep growing. God told Bishop Oyedepo, back in the 80s, before there was the internet. The day will come where anytime you stand to preach, there'll never be less than a million people that hear your message. So he's got 200,000 at the church. He's got his online platforms. That's what faith does. Faith will, faith will bring a supernatural element to the work that you're endeavoring to do for God out of love. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Packing twice as much into every day as a day's meant to hold. Now, I'm going to tell you this. For all the people that warn you about burning out for God, I'd be more worried about drying up without God. Because what does the Bible say? Anyone, any branch, this is Jesus talking, who's the Lord of the harvest. Any branch that doesn't produce fruit, I will chop it down. But any branch that, this is a promise from God. But any branch that does produce fruit, I will prune it to make it more fruitful. 
Fruitfulness for God engenders Christ's personal attention to the, to, to the vessel. Can you say amen? amen? I'll tell you, this year I've been sick for one day. And when I say sick, I'm talking a stuffed up nose. I wasn't, I got busy. I wasn't able to tell which variant it was. <laughs> I just got wrapped up. I wanted to know what letters and decimal points and numbers it was so I could know exactly how to sneeze. <laughs> but I just went about it 80s and 90s style and just got rid of it. Yeah. So uh, I've never seen a generation of people that want to know what kind of cold they have yeah. and name it. I have a new cold, it's called Mike. And I, and I got rid of that, I, I was, I, and I wasn't down. No, I don't think anybody would have known I was sick. That was the only day I was sick this year, shouldn't have been sick that day. And then it stopped me, I'm talking, that's any sickness. I'm talking stuffed up nose and a cough for one day. It never even got to the point where it filled my lungs and I had to cough for like two weeks before I was done with it. I got, I got rid of it by the power of God. And I've run hard this year. I'm heading up on 300 services that we've done this year. So people, you got to be careful. You get, you get burnt out. Do you ever notice that the only people that get burnt out, like you have one aunt, A-U-N-T, that's never worked a job in her life. What does she post on Facebook every day? Tired. <laughs> She's tired. Then you're working up at five. I was talking to one of the ushers that has to be up at, at uh, five, five, uh, 4.15 to be at work at five. He told me, because I asked, I don't hear anything about how tired he is. You ever notice that people that are busy about their assignment are never talking about being tired. They're talking about advancement. It's how God meant people to work and live. The average person dies within seven years of when they retire. Because oh, I feel like there's a lot of retired people here. <laughs> By the way, that went over. Because you weren't meant to retire. As much as they make it seem like if you rest, do nothing, you recharge. If it's never been hard work that killed anybody, it's wrong work that kills people. When you're out of your assignment, it's like if I had to file my state taxes. After 18 minutes or so, I would need a nap. After 30 minutes or so, I would be looking for a window tall enough to fling myself out of <laughs> to end my time on planet Earth. That's not my job. But then, Patrick, God will send you people to do the things you're not called to do, that they enjoy that. And Patrick would be want to kill himself if he had to give the message today. Yeah. So then the Lord gives you people that enjoy doing the thing that you don't do. Well, I don't have any help. Keep that confession going, and you never will. Yeah. You should lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, that I have help coming from all sides. Yeah. I've been traveling as an evangelist for 21 years. You have pastors say, we really don't have anybody like that to help us around here. I live in a small town. You'll be pleased to know they've pounded the golden spike through the Transcontinental Railroad, and now you can bring people in from anywhere in the country and even other countries. Can you say amen? Kofi's from Ghana. Abraham's from Ghana. Augustine's from Tanzania. Dallas is from Puerto Rico and Boston, our family's from. I'm not limited. Why do people, why do Christians have some of those smallest, most debased minds? We don't have any help. We live where we live. There's a bad economy. You have the whole world. You have global markets available to you on your cell phone to trade with. 
You know what I did? How many of you heard they might inter- reintroduce mask mandates on airplanes? How many of you heard that? You know what I did when I heard it? I didn't do it. Can you believe they're doing this? You know what I did? I shorted all the airlines as an aggressive option trade. So if it doesn't come through, I'll be happy. If, if they do reinstitute it and the airline stocks go down because travel will be less, I'll be the happiest unmasked man this side of the nut house. It's called making moves instead of being afraid. Can you believe they're going to do this? Yeah, I believe they'll do it and I'll make money off it. I'll trade off of it. I'm not being victimized by anybody. I'm going to make moves. I'm not limited to Pittsburgh. I'm not limited by anything. I serve an unlimited God. God will send help from every direction, any state. How many of you saw we're starting that church in Fort Worth, Texas? Do you know we're up to five families now that told me? Not five families in attendance. Five families that told me. We were going to move to Pittsburgh because we felt to join your church. And the Lord spoke to us, move to Fort Worth. So we thought, well, he must want us to go to Fort Worth first. And he's going to bless us there. And then we'll make it up to Pittsburgh. And they moved. And when I announced the Lord spoke to me to start a church, they all waited. We knew you were going to because we've already moved here and knew this was going to be our church. One guy drove to the building that we're going to use just by his spirit and stood in the parking lot and told his wife, we're going to go to church here. And found out it's Todd White's building. It's only used for Bible college Tuesday through Friday. There's no church. He said, well, all I know is we're going to go to church here. And that ends up being the building. So God will go ahead of you. God will go before you. God will be your rear guard. God will send you help. You're not limited to Salem or Oregon. There's nothing in the government that can stop you. God has set you on high above all the nations of the world. Come on, I don't hear anybody in here. Take 30 seconds. Clap your hands. Give the Lord a great shout. You're coming up in Jesus' name. We don't really have much help at our church. Yeah, because of your stupid mouth. That's complaining. Never start a sentence for the rest of your life with I don't have. I'm ordering you as a minister of the gospel. Unless you complete it with sin, sickness, something that Christ disposed of in redemption. I don't have cancer. I give you a pass. I don't have depression. I'll give you a pass. That's a good confession. But outside of that, I don't have money. And you never will because God doesn't like people like you. That say the opposite of what he said in his word. You should say, thank you, Father. That the silver and gold belongs to you. And I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm walking in your path. I expect a miracle today. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I have love. Hot, fiery love. For Jesus Christ. And from now on, I'm going to mix faith in with my love. So you have love. Now start putting, because that's what people, I'm dealing with both things. You know, we have a church. Yes, you, you birthed that church out of your love for God, but you know you don't have faith. So you're, you're missing that part that the Bible can mix faith in with your love. You know, we don't have help. We're not really able to purchase a building at this point. Mm, let, me get, let, me, let me keep plowing. Who are you under in the ministry and why are you under them? You know, we don't have a building. Who are you under? Who ordained you? I asked the guy that. He said, we're losing our building. Get, and he might be watching. I'm not saying it. It's not personal. It's business. You know, we're losing our building. The guy's in his 50s, late 50s. Lose, I don't get it. 
How have you not put yourself in a position in 35 years of ministry where you own your own property? It's part of your inheritance in, in, in God. Everybody God made a covenant with, he gave land to them. We saw during the lockdowns how absolutely important it is to own your own property. You need to put yourself in a situation where your ministry can't be taken from you. Your board of directors needs to be set up that way. Your property needs to be set up that way. Anything you don't protect, you'll lose. We had an agreement with a business across the street from our church to use their parking. I told Patrick, you need to find a way to buy that building so we own the parking because they'll end up taking it from us. Because I know the devil. He can't control what I have, but if I have any, anything I don't control, he can weasel in. And sure enough... We're not, you're not allowed to use our parking anymore. All right. I knew, I knew it was coming. Then people park there anyway, even though I've told them I can't control them. So then they start putting barriers up. Now it looks like the entrance to Ravensbrück. It's a prison camp in Germany if you went to public school. I understand. <laughs> Stay out and all that. I knew they'd take it from us. Anything you don't protect, you'll lose. One of my friends, one of the few friends I have, he's a Jewish man. And he was talking to me. He hadn't heard me preach on land ownership. And he said, you need to own your own land. So I know that, but I was, I've, I've never had anyone tell me that before. I grew up around Christians, the most poor-mouthed people you'll ever be around in your life. Fourth from the bottom. Do you have that chart, Ben? The economic chart? The fourth poorest group in the United States, Pentecostals. All those promises. Everything the Jewish people have plus more books and better promises, and they, won't, they don't receive it. We can't afford it. So the, I, like, I like listening to Jewish people talk. You know who's top of the list? Jewish people. Second, uh, Hindu. Yeah. And then Pentecostals, way scraping at the bottom. Lord, multiply the gift. Uh, that's not a thing. If God multiplies the money given, your deacon board's going to jail. The IRS isn't going to believe it. He doesn't multiply. Oh, look how quiet it's getting. <laughs> I grew up preaching in New England. If you think you're going to scare me. We used to extend a meeting two weeks if someone blinked. <laughs> look, facial expression. We're in revival. <laughs> Father, multiply the gift, and the, the gift that's given. Bless the gift and the giver and those who have not to give. I used to think when I was nine years old, if you get the same blessing, whether you give or don't give, what idiot puts anything in the, in the offering? Bless those that give and have not to give. Who, who in America doesn't have anything to give? I want to meet them. Unless they're a child that has abusive parents. I want to know what adult has nothing to give. Right now, someone's writing me on YouTube. Lots of people don't have anything to give. What are you typing that on? If you sold it, you could sow a $1,000 seed right now. I have a friend that was preaching in a rural area of the United States, not this state. And um, the pastor he preached for, his worship team couldn't do all the nights of worship. So they used some churches in the area to help. Well, the Assemblies of God Church came, and their worship team left the service because they didn't like that my cousin Teddy was preaching the prosperity message. So, and he, you know, wasn't even going strong on it, just saying, uh, just saying enough to rattle the devil. So... The pastor told him, he said, man, that, that someone's got church won't lead worship anymore. They had a problem with it. And he said, their pastor came to me and said, that guy you had in, my people told me he was preaching the prosperity message. He said, we don't believe in that. He said, don't you live in a million dollar home? 
Because it's a state, not, it's not this state, but it's a state like Wyoming, where it's rural, but they're keeping the prices high because they don't want people moving in and turning it into Park City, Utah. His house is worth a million dollars. He says, don't you, don't you live in a million dollar home? I do. Then just change the subject. You're a hypocrite. Who bought your house? Lucifer? Beelzebub Federal Credit Union? I don't believe in prosperity. Explain the house. Why haven't you sold it and given all the money to missions? Because you're a hypocrite. Go ahead and put the chart up so people know why I'm all wound up. Household income of U.S. religious groups. Percentage of each religious group with total family income of blank a year. Jewish people, 44% make 100000 plus a year. 24 plus 44 is 68. 68% make 50000 plus a year. Go all the way down. All U.S. adults, average. Then below that, Assemblies of God is below Buddhist. Buddhists take a vow of poverty. <laughs> You're below people that are trying to be poor. They did better than you. Just wearing orange robes and doing karate fights and stuff. That's my Rambo 3 based understanding of Buddhism. So there's Assemblies of God, White Pentecostals, Church of God in Christ, uh, Black Pentecostals. Basically, if you look at the numbers, they're off by like a percent. Same thing, because they teach the same thing. I don't know whether we ever get anything here or not. We got a mansion waiting for us in heaven. Half these people probably will get their mansion foreclosed on somehow. (laughs) Won't even be able to pay their air conditioning. They're so broke in their thinking. An angel's going to come. Hey, you got to move you out. (laughs) You somehow found a way to forfeit the blessings God gave you. I don't know whether we ever get anything or not. I may die without two nickels to rub together, but I want to give my life to this message. Everyone's clapping. I'd rather have Jesus than silver gold. Me too. But if you read the Bible, you don't have to pick. You can bow to the devil and get his wealth, but if you put God first, the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich, and he addeth no sorrow. Abraham was rich. Isaac was rich. Jacob was rich. Joseph was rich. David was rich. Jesus, they gambled for his garments. The early church had no poverty among them. Paul said in Philippians 4, I never lacked anything. Wealth of the wicked is not laid up for the wicked. Wealth of the wicked is laid up for the the just. Money's not important to me. Oh, yeah, what are you spending 45 hours a week doing? You work at Target because you believe in the vision of Target? Every time they give you your paycheck on Friday, you I want to sew this back into the company. Not important. You're full of crap. And I can spot it because I've been around people that are full of crap my whole life. Money's not important to me. Then meanwhile, they're, they're having their kid miss church because it's finals week so they can get into a good school so they can get a good, good job and make money. It's like that pastor where my cousin's preaching. I've been around those people my whole life. I don't believe in prosperity. But you got a million-dollar home. you got a brand-new Ford F-150. You have prosperity. So who gave it to you? Go, go show pictures of your home and your truck to somebody in Tibet and tell them you don't believe in prosperity. You liar. No, you're a liar. I don't like people like you because you're the reason. Put that chart up again, as beautiful as the jellyfish is. You're the reason. How are Jewish people number one? You know what's interesting? Keep that chart up. You know what's interesting? 
If you ask those old Pentecostals, I'm talking about the super Pentecostal people with the makeup washed off their face and jean skirts at softball games and dirty white sneakers. If it's you, don't look offended or people know it's you. I'm talking about the Pentecostals that had the makeup power washed off their face at a local car wash. My, my wife grew, grew up in that Spanish Pentecostal. If you talk to them because they know their Bible, let, I'm asking, let me ask you this. If you talk to one of those Pentecostals, jean skirt, white sneakers, which I never understood why all the rules are for the women. It's like, it's like Christian ISIS. The women have a rule book this thick. You got a guy wearing Nike basketball shorts and high tops and a, and a t-shirt and his wife looks like she fell off the wagon on Oregon Trail. This is my wife, Jedediva. Oh, hello, Hank. My bonnet blew away in the wind. How did you marry someone from the 19th century? I'm confused. Are you coming to hurt me? No. I thought maybe the Pentecostals sent someone to attack me. Now, even those Pentecostals, if you ask them, sorry, made someone laugh so hard they got COPD. Sorry. Be healed in Jesus' name. Even if you talk to those Pentecostals, <laughs> I'm sorry. If you talk to those Pentecostals and said to them, why? Now, stick with me on this. Let's say we had a room full. Let's say this whole congregation was, was Pentecostals and, and I hadn't said one thing that I said to take them off and make them leave. And I said, can anyone raise your hand and tell me why the Jewish people are number one? What would basically all of them be able to answer? What would they say? Just say it. Because they're blessed by God. <laughs> yes. I remember being in a meeting and them saying that the Jewish people are rich because they're blessed by God. And I was like nine. And I went, what about us? I didn't go run off with Ishmael. I'm an Isaac guy. I never liked Hagar. I'm a Sarah guy. What, what about me? And so I said that. I said, what about us? In, in my Sunday school class, and then the lady goes, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. But it's not like I found some Greek word or something. It's the, it's the whole message of the Bible. Turn to, turn to Genesis chapter 3. Keep the chart up. I'm going to get that chart flipped around if it's the last thing I do. The people that are going to help flip it around are in this room. I pray you make enough money to make up for 100 Christians that aren't interested to up the rate. I pray the blessing of the Lord chases you down. I pray you swim in the riches of God. I pray the Lord embarrasses you with blessing this year.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3. Now, I've been wrong twice today, so you were right to fact check me. But I got it this time. Galatians 3. Okay, all the good Pentecostal people answer. Why are Jewish people at the top of the list? Why? Blessed by God. Okay. What about us? Galatians chapter 3. That's the correct answer. Now, Galatians 3.13. But Christ, not will redeem us, not is redeeming us. Christ has redeemed us from what? How much of the curse of the law? All of it, which deals with three things. The curse of the law, you don't have to wonder what it is. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 through the end of the chapter. If you will not obey the commands of the Lord your God and diligently hearken unto, his, unto his, the commands I'm giving you today, all these curses shall come and overwhelm you. Your children and, and your crops will be cursed. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. You'll be cursed in the city, cursed in the field. Basically, it's the flip around of Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14. That curse, if you read it, it's 60-some verses, 50-some, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to save reading it, but uh, it deals with three areas. It deals with spiritual bondage. It deals with, uh, well, maybe more than three. Mental, it's, it says you'll, be conf- you'll have confusion, disillusionment, and madness. Mental attack. So you have spiritual bondage. Another will come and rule over you. Your children will be taken away as slaves, which is physical. And then in the new covenant, spiritual. So you have spiritual bondage. You have mental bondage. Then you have a physical bondage where it says you'll have tumors and scurvy and the itch from which you cannot be cured and blindness. And it starts listing off. And then when you get to the end of Deuteronomy 28, it says, You'll be overcome by every sickness and disease there is, even those not mentioned in this book of the law. So it covers every illness is part of the curse of the law. And then it covers poverty, scarcity, and lack. You will plant vineyards, but you'll not enjoy the grapes. You'll, you'll plant much, but harvest little. For, and you notice that's how, that's how it goes. The devil never attacked the children of God when they planted. He always went after them when they went to get their harvest. That's what that scripture always comes alive to me when I'm praying for people that are like 58, 62, 65, and they worked hard their whole life, and now their wife is having to go in for treatment. So the plan was, I'm going to plant and plant and plant. Then when I hit 58, 60, 62, then we're going to cash in our chips and enjoy our marriage. And then right when they go to, to enjoy the harvest, that's when the devil comes in. The Bible calls that part of the curse of the law. Your home will be taken over by other people. It's property loss. Uh, um. Your fields will be overcome by foreigners. You lose what you have. Somebody say poverty, poverty. Scarcity, scarcity, and lack are part of the curse of the law. Would you say that downtown Portland has become more economically buoyant or less economically buoyant as they've turned away from God? Yeah, same with Philadelphia. I'm not picking on you. I'm just using a close-by city, Seattle. When you go away from God, your towns will be cursed. Just like when you turn back to God, your towns will be blessed. You know, if there's a revival, let me. Add, you know, that's practical. If you have a 10,000-seat church that's packed, and you have 10,000 Christians on Sunday afternoon get dismissed, 
from church. Where are 99% of them going? To eat. So what starts happening? I was at Jimmy Swaggart's church. And, and, and Gabe Swaggart was telling me that when, when Jimmy bought that land, it was all, I guess you could probably say Brother Swaggart. When Brother Swaggart bought that land, it was all cow fields. But now the top malls in Baton Rouge are there. Hotels, if you have a conference, they need hotels. They need restaurants. People don't want to drive 45 minutes to go eat. Coffee shops. One church is a one-step city revitalization project. And, you know, new governments don't understand that. I've had to tell them that before. You know, well, you guys don't pay taxes. Why don't we pay taxes? Because they used to write in the tax code that it's so beneficial for a church to move in, the benefit that they bring outdoes any tax revenue we could get from them, so we want to attract them permanently. Because a real church, one strong church, will turn that town into an economic... You're teaching people to work. You're teaching people to pay taxes. You're teaching people to not run off and not pay their child support. And not you, you, you save the city tens of millions of dollars by one church and generate hundreds of millions of dollars. Because it's part of the curse. Part of the curse is scarcity and lack. But Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So Jesus did not just die for our sins. He died to break the curse of the law. He covered our sins and, 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 and broke sin's power over us. I'm not knocking that. If that was all he did, I, I'd serve the Lord the same because it's worth going to heaven and being free from sin. But if you only tell people that part, it's like putting people on a cruise and telling them they, ha- they can ride on the ship until it gets to the Bahamas and not telling them that meals are included and there's a room included. And so, yeah, you've told them part of it. You have a ship that goes from here to the Bahamas or from here to Alaska. But then you didn't tell them, you know, they're there starving to death or they passed pack some crackers or bags of Doritos in their suitcase and living on that. Meanwhile, there's buffets every 50 feet where you can eat all you want. That's what the church has been sold. They've been told that Jesus gave them a ride to heaven, but they haven't been told that he also prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You can pull up to that table and come and dine. The master calleth, come and dine. Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Through, verse 14, Galatians 3, 14. Through Christ Jesus, how come the Jewish people are at the top? They're blessed. Who did the, what man did their blessing come through in the Old Testament? Abraham. So they're blessed, not just by God, they're blessed by the blessing of Abraham. Verse 14, Galatians 3, 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. What's Gentiles? Any non-Jewish person. Irish. You know, we think of like Irish people or Irish Catholic or no God. There wasn't a soul on the whole island that knew anything about God until St. Patrick went there and drove the devil out and built churches. There were no Gentiles. We were worshiping stone images and Druid gods and every barbarian blood sacrifice, worshiping our ancestors. And then the gospel came, and somehow when the Jewish people rejected Christ, the the Gentiles opened to it and received it. And now we're coming to the tail end of that where the Bible says the time of the Gentiles is coming to a close, and the Jewish people will open back up. 
And I'm going to get into that. <laughs> Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing. What blessing? That he promised to Abraham so that we who are, who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Turn down to verse 26, Galatians 3.26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on a new garment. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? Can Christ be demon-possessed? Because I'm wearing him. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on a new garment. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true seed of Abraham. You know, I, I went to an event back in July. There were a bunch of rabbis there. Why were they there with the Christian? Because deep down, the, there's no, no longer Jew or Gentile. Christ is the one the prophets testified about. It rings true in people's spirits. This is real. I got a, a haircut from a lady when I was 20 in um, Fall River, Massachusetts. And she was asking me about where I'm going to Bible school and what I'm studying there. She's, you know, 25 maybe. And then she, I was telling her, I was, and then I, I turned the corner and quit answering her questions and started realizing she's hungry for God. She goes, well, I cut the hair of another guy. He's a Jehovah's Witness. How, come, how do I know that you're not right, that he's not right instead of you? I said, because when he talks, you don't feel anything. But as I'm talking, you're, you're tearing up. And she cried harder. And my dad was coming the next week to preach at chapel. I invited her. She came. My dad gives an altar call. My dad, if, my, if they give my dad the microphone in heaven, he'll give an altar call. <laughs> he gave an altar call at Bible school, at my Bible school. And that girl came down crying. Why? Because it bears witness with your spirit that Christ is the one the prophets testified about. That all who, who come to him will have their sins forgiven in his name. Amen. Hallelujah. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What else? And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true seed of Abraham. You are his heirs, and everything that God promised Abraham belongs to you. Everything that God promised Abraham belongs. Now it's going to belong. It belongs to me right now. Land ownership, an overflowing cup, a, a storehouse filled with grain, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when I come in and blessed when I go out. I'm not going to get it. It belongs to me right now. I have it by redemption. I carry myself that way. My posture is that way. Why are the Jewish people at the top of the list? So explain these bozos to me, of which I was one. Well, they're blessed by God. What about you? Jesus gave us a blood covenant. Forget houses and land, no miscarriages. Your women will not cast their young in the field before their time. You, you want to know how wild this, this, this supernatural thing works? You start confessing it, even the parts you don't want will start working. I'll give you livestock and cattle. Teddy started having people donate cows to him. He lives in West Palm Beach, Florida. That's against the homeowners association. 
Some guy in white linen pants. Excuse me, you cannot have cattle here. <laughs> so the guy gave him the cattle, sectioned off a part of his ranch legally for his ministry. How to make a miracle word church brand for the cattle. And now the cattle are having babies and the cattle are starting to multiply. Pastor Rodney, had, Pastor Rodney, cows and sheep, he's well, I can't figure that guy out. He's getting everything the Bible says you can have. That pavilion went up in 10 days, cash, 10 days. That's supernatural. You, you can't get a permit for your, a swimming pool in your own home for 10 days. Can you say Amen. You say, well, how do I step into it? Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth and take action on it. Believe it in your heart. Begin to speak it and begin to take action on it. I'm telling you right now, I was preaching in the state of Vermont at a church of about 20 people. I had minus $337 in my account from a banking error. They told me I had 200 and I didn't. I was at minus 80 or something, bought a bunch of stuff and kept getting charged. I had no money and no credit cards. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach like I'm the most blessed Christian that there ever has been on the face of the earth. I'm not getting up like, an, uh, like the evangelist I heard growing up, and I don't mean my family. You know, oh, if I seem a little down today, my wife and I just got, no, no, no. I'm going to leave that with God. And I, t- I, I preached on the blessing of Abraham and how bl- Abraham's blessings are mine. I had a car that was smashed in in the back that I couldn't get registered. Mine is $300. I had to fast because I couldn't afford food. But I made up my mind. I'm not going to let my confession drop to the level I'm living. I'm going to start having my confession raise me out of the pit that the devil dug for me. Yeah, the devil might have had the first laugh, but I'm going to laugh less. I pre- I'm blessed. The blessings of Abraham are mine. And today, I don't have a Sebastian car. We flew here on a Falcon 2000. We have Jesus will keep his word to you if you believe it and speak it. I am blessed. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Blessed when I come in. Blessed when I go out. And the devil's too small to have any say in the matter. He's under my feet. Stay on your feet, everybody. Lift your hands. Just begin to thank the Lord that you're blessed. I'm blessed. My children are blessed. My grandchildren are blessed. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. That's what the Bible says. I don't belong at the bottom of the chart. I belong at the top of the chart. It's unscriptural for me to be in the middle. It's unscriptural. It's wrong. I take what's mine. I take it. Somebody say, I take it. Say, I believe it. I speak it. I act on it. You put your hands down and look up at me. What does it mean to act on it? When Brother Shambach had that big meeting in Newark, New Jersey, at that YWCA, and said, Lord, boy, I could really use this YWCA as a church. We've had 2,000 people saved that have registered that they, they, they got nowhere to go to church. And he looks at that building, and he had preached that night on walking around the walls of Jericho. And the Lord said, Lord said get out and walk around that building seven times. So he did it. Took action on the word. There's a for sale sign on it. And when he got done, he was so, so stirred up in his faith 
He took the sign and jerked it out of the lawn and the next morning went to the realty group, put the big wooden sign on the president's desk and in R.W. Shambach's voice he went, what are you doing putting a sign on my property? The guy said, excuse me? Who are you? He said, I'm R.W. Shambach. He said, oh, I've heard about you. He said, you've been preaching here for a few weeks. You got a lot of people coming to hear you. He said, I do. He said, uh, he said, you're interested in that building? He said, I'm not interested in it. It's mine. He said, no, it's not. And he told him some things. And Brother Shembach told him by the spirit. He said, call the president of the company right now. He, goes, oh, I, I he said, call him. Tell him I said to call. Well, the guy doesn't know him. He's just, a, <laughs> this is like in the 60s, before his ministry even fully took off. And he calls the president. The president's in a board meeting. And just to show off to the other guys in the meeting, he said, you tell that preacher that we've had such a good year economically, we'll give that to him for a tax receipt. And he walked out that day with that building because faith takes possession of what belongs to you. Faith doesn't say, I can't afford. Faith doesn't say, I'm unable. Faith says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I belong at the top. I never got it. I know it was a little hard on the Pentecostals today. By a little hard, I mean a lot hard. But I just, I never got them. Why are the Jewish people at the top? Well, they're blessed by God. They have Abraham's blessings. I know. Did you ever read Galatians? Say out loud, Abraham's blessings are mine. Say, I'll never be broke. Another day in my life. I don't know who told you that the, you need to make sure you get a good credit score. because That's not in the Bible. The Bible says you'll lend to many and you'll never borrow. And the reason I bring stuff like this up is because you got people who think they know more than me. Not too many now, though, because I'm in my 40s. But when I preach like this, I'm like, well, you'll see. How are you going to, one day when you have to get a big building, how are you going to do that without a loan? I did it by faith. We're going to do it a few more times by faith. Because the Bible is true. I said the Bible's true. The don't commit adultery part's true. And the thou shalt lend to many and borrow from no one is true. Now you think of that. I've confessed that for 15 years. Next year we'll have a bank that lends and doesn't borrow. And I never meant to have it. I'm sure the cattle are coming. And the sheep. Boy, I can picture a Dallas now with a staff friggin' kilt with the Puerto Rican flag on there or something. Be the only shepherd with a switchblade. Uh, Glock 40. Yeah, start speaking it. Don't say what you see. Say what you believe. And what you, when you say what the Word says, it'll start to become what you see. My son's just so lost. And he always will be with a bum that talks about him like that. So it's saying, thank you, Father, that you said I'll train up a child in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they won't depart from it. That's what the word says. Speak the word. Even when the circumstances are against what the word says, make the storm go away. Don't speak the storm. Jesus rebuked that storm. And then he didn't go give the disciples a hug. Sorry, guys, that I was asleep. That must have been... Do you still not believe? He rebuked the storm, then he rebuked them. I want to tell you something right now. If I was in charge of the U.S. government, I would have him play K-Love in Guantanamo to get confessions out of prisoners. 
If you listen to that radio, th those Christians, if you want to call them, those songs are so soaked with unbelief. Lord, most days my faith is climbing a mountain. He didn't say climb it. He said, move it, dummy. Stick to playing the guitar and leave the preaching to us. Got all these anti-faith, anti-prosperity songs on Caleb. Meanwhile, all those artists won't even get out of their tour bus till you give them a cashier's check for 30 grand. Talking about how hard life is. Shut up. Get that out of your car. You're better off listening to Billy Joe Shaver. Outlaw country. At least it'll put some fight in you. Amen. Lord, when the mountain doesn't move, give me strength to climb. If he lied about it moving, why would you believe that he's going to give you strength to climb? <laughs> believe the word. Don't come up with some Caleb version of the word. Believe the word. Speak the word. Act on the word. Believe the word. Speak the word. Act on the word. And you'll possess what the word says is yours. I see you possessing your possessions from today. September 20th through December 31st is ordained your wonder season. No more attacks. From today, you go on the attack. In Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said amen. amen. Lift your hands. Just begin to thank God for about 60 seconds. Thank him in advance that his riches and wealth and promises. You're not going to be forth from the bottom. You're going to the top with your brothers, with your Israeli brothers, your Hebrew brothers, where you belong. There's no longer Jew or Gentile. In Jesus' name. The anointing's on you right now to increase. You're going to be getting phone calls before the end of the week. Doors are coming open before the end of the week. All shut doors that need to come open, open by Friday. All doors that are open that need to shut, shut by Friday. All Jonas that are on your boat are going overboard in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen. Stay on your feet. Let me tell you this. My, my one uh, Jewish friend that I have, when he told me that thing about land ownership, that you need, you need to own your own land, I said, tell me why you say that. He said, well, all I can tell you is that's what we were taught growing up in synagogue. Well, he had told me that he had basically quit going to synagogue when he was like a young teenager. So he said, I said, what did they teach you? He said, um, the rabbi said that the first thing the Egyptians did was take away our right to own land as slaves. The first thing God did when he broke, broke us out of Egypt was give us land ownership back and we should never allow ourselves to be in that situation again. I said, how old were you when they taught you that? He said, probably seven. Well, that explains the chart. Because in the Assemblies of God, they had me gluing I love Jesus with pretzel sticks on construction paper. Which is great. But it doesn't help you out much with real estate. How many acres are you looking for, Reverend? I love Jesus. <laughs> How are you going to finance this? I love Jesus. Uh, 
So that's where you get Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for. Imagine being sat down at seven and told you need to own land. Different mentality. The Bible says the righteous shall possess the land and dwell therein forever. And it shows you, you can do better in life fully believing the first five books of the Bible than sort of believing all 66. But you're not going to be one of those people. You're going to take all 66 into your spirit, speak it out of your mouth, and you're going to the top of the chart in Jesus' name. One more time, give the Lord the loudest hand clap, the loudest shout. I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord. The devil is defeated. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say it one more time. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Well, I already prayed for you, but I'm going to pray again. Lift both hands. Let the top people in the state of Oregon rise out of this meeting. And Idaho and Washington State. May people come out of this meeting and take ground from the devil. All these buildings that are going up for sale that are already zoned to be a church. May they not become weed dispensaries and vape shops and, or community centers or whatever else. Let people rise up and buy it. In Jesus' name. That guy sent me a, a real estate listing. I'm telling you, there are, it actually irritates me that I'm not further along in life than I am. I would, lo- I would love to put an offer on every one of those properties and just d- figure it out after I have them. They should not go back. Offerings that have been raised. Why are they even for sale? Why are you not? If you sell, why am I getting into this? You're, it's un, you didn't do it. <laughs> you know, you're not even allowed to sell the church and pocket the money. It has to go to a, if you're shutting it down, it has to go to a like-minded insti- nonprofit institution. What are you even doing? I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to do something. Because it's such a perfect time to be alive. You know, if you hear bad economic news on, the, on, on TV, you should be happy. If I was young, like if I was you, I'd be rooting for there to be a housing collapse. Then go buy homes on for nothing. If there's an economic class, which is not looking like there's going to be a recession, I think that Brian Westbury that I follow has it at 14% chance before the end of the year. But the housing thing is, is looking low. It's a chance for the prices to reset. So don't get caught up in the world's fear. Oh, every, the economy's crashing. No, it's, it's actually coming back down. It's almost like they're lowering the ladder back down to give you a second chance. And you say amen. When there's blood in the street, start making moves. When people are crying, find something to smile about. When people are selling out of fear, buy out of faith. What a time. How old are you? 18. Man, you have a bright future. What's everybody saying? Nobody wants commercial real estate anymore for office workers because no one's working. Yeah, I'd say, say, yeah, you're right. I, I would encourage their fear. You could start something at 19 and go buy something in downtown Portland that everybody abandoned. Have the angels of the Lord clear all the fentanyl addicts out of the doorway and go take 
go take. This is, what do you think? Let me ask you one last thing. I'll leave you alone. What do you think it practically looks like, the wealth of the wicked laid up for the just? When people are abandoning buildings for whatever they say the reason is, I would see through and say, this is God. This is God opening up something for me that, I, that was unattainable two years ago. Now, there's a way to do it. And have your love for God. Mix faith in with it. Imagine, imagine you are in charge of the Nike building in Portland. Because nobody wants it. Let me tell you another thing, because for some reason I like you, maybe because you have the same hair as my dad. I'll tell you another thing you'll find. Like, let's say you don't have, uh, and maybe you do, but let's say you know you're like how I was when I was 18. I don't have any money. You'd be amazed if you start making big moves. There's people that have money that are impressed that you're not some young, marijuana-soaked dummy. That you actually are, 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 are like what reminds them of old school America. That you like have a mind to make money. and Even if they're not Christians, they'll just like the capitalist side of you. And people will be like, you know what? I'll give you the building and then you, we'll make a payment plan. Because I'm telling you, that's called favor. If you quit poor mouth, I don't know what I got. And you start talking, listen, I have a vision to do this. Say this out loud. Budgets cost me something. Vision brings me something. Don't talk how much things cost people. Talk what you're planning to do. I have a vision to do this. I have a vision to buy up this building, and I have a plan to do this, this, and this. It's going to help the city. It's going to make money this way. You know what? I like this young man. They'll like you. Talk vision. It inspires people. Talk about, I don't have any credit. I grew up in a single family. No, everybody did. No one cares. Talk vision. Carry yourself differently. Carry yourself like you're David, Solomon, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I live in a wicked world, but I have a blessing that's on my life. God's stirring practical things in people right now to make moves. There's going to be new businesses that spring up out of this room in the next 90 days and out of those that are watching online in Jesus' name. So go ahead and celebrate it one more time. Clap your hands and rejoice. You're not going to be an employee. You're going to be an employer. You're a solution. God has you here to turn the thing around. In fact, I'm going to put offers in on those buildings in California. Even if I don't use them as churches, I'll sell them and use the money to build churches where I'm going to build them. Because a lot of them have it in the Constitution and bylaws that if a church makes an offer on the building, they have to be considered first. So I'll put a $1,000 offer in on it. It wouldn't hurt to have 8,000 square feet with parking in Southern California. I could do something with that. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, come on. There's a whole listing of them. Southern California. Their churches, left, right, and center. Assemblies of God. Not just backslidden denominations. Everybody lose it because you shut down. You shut down for two years. Now you're losing it. You irritated Jesus. So he's taking your property back from you. He's going to redistribute it like a heavenly Bernie Sanders. Because he, he's the boss. I'm going to put a request in this afternoon to my father. You give me those properties, I won't make you sad that you did. Give me a shot. Amen? I'm going to say I'm going to take my shot.
People are nervous about nothing. Like in the pastoral world. I, I still remember this when I was living in Bangor, Maine with my parents. This guy booked me for a meeting at a church in New Hampshire. Then you could tell they'd get, start getting nervous leading up to the meeting. Um, I know we scheduled Sunday through Friday. Maybe we should just do like Sunday and Monday. No, let's keep it Sunday to Friday. Well, what if no one shows up? How many do you have in your church? 21. No one's already showing up. Why not, why not roll the dice? And see, maybe we can pack it. If we cancel Tuesday through Friday, it guarantees it's empty. You don't pay more money. You're not renting the church by the day. They own the property. It's an old school church. Open the doors. Let's see whether God's word will grow it or not. There's people who what if I lose everything? You don't even have anything. Think of it. There's nowhere to go. I had the Lord speak that to me one time. What are you worried about? You're already at the bottom. What if I lose everything? You're living on your parents' couch. No need to worry about losing everything. You already did it. So start making moves. Stop thinking about what if I lose? What if, it, what if you hit the bullseye? What if you strike oil? What if you find gold? What if you hit it in Jesus' name? You're going to hit the mark in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's a lot of people watching online as well. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I just feel to call for that. In the morning services we've been teaching, we do evangelistic services at night, but I, I feel to call. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or you fell out, maybe when things went bad economically, you fell out with God, and you want to come back in that covenant. You can only have the things I preached on through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what ratified the covenant. There has to be a day where you receive Christ as your Messiah. If you've never done that, you'd like to do that today, I want you to put your hand up high, and I'm going to pray with you. Put it up and wave it at me if you need to do that. In Jesus' name. All right, all believers, if you're online and you lifted your hand, then go to, maybe they'll put it at the bottom. If not, go to RevivalToday.com and click, I just got saved. I just got saved. RevivalToday.com, the biggest button on the front page says, I just got saved. Click that and fill it out, and I'm going to send you a Bible and other materials to help you live the Christian life. There's a phone number there. Call, and somebody will pray, pray with you. If you don't get through to anyone, leave a message, and they'll call you back and pray with you. And you can make things right with God. Even if you're watching the replay, you can do that. RevivalToday.com. I just got saved. Love you. Well, you can be comfortably seated. I'm going to give you the opportunity to sow seed before we close out. Revival, nobody's under any pressure. But if you want to put, tie your faith around an offering today, I'm believing to get what God said belongs to me. I'm going to take what I have and put it in the hand of God and believe for it to come back pressed down, shaken together and running over. And there's people that are watching online, possibly here. You have the ability to do something large as we build two churches in two different cities. And the Lord would deal with you to do something five-figure, six-figure. Match that lady back in uh, April or, or May and, and do a million. Be the third person. The one guy from Europe that gave a million. One lady from the United States. If you'd like to be number three, I'm not going to stop you. There's a great work to be done. And when you give it, God will bring it back to you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Here's the ways you can give. RevivalToday.com. You click Give Now. And that has everything in one spot. If you'd like an envelope here, just hold your hand up. They'll quickly give you one. There's the individual ways to give. Oh, man. Got it all on one screen. 
That's cool. Dollar sign RT Give is Cash App. If you want to mail a check, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. I'll tell you what I'll do is everybody who sows a seed of any size online or live, I'm going to send you my new book that just came out last week, The 20 Laws That Govern the Financial Anointing. That got released last week. It's number one on Amazon under uh, Christian Stewardship. So if you enjoyed what I ended up on today, that'll give you a little more light in that area. It's funny when you're not accustomed to what's called the prosperity message. When you hear it and you've never heard it, your mind's going, you know, I've heard that's wrong. But then it's like it, it registers with your heart. Thanks, brother. 20 laws that govern the financial anointing forward by Dr. Jesse Duplantis. I want to send that to everybody that sows a seed of any size. Anyone that does the $10,000 level or higher, I'll sign it for you as, a, as an extra thank you for helping us as we're building churches. I know I'm supposed to be ashamed to take an offering and say stuff like that, but they're raising money for Big Bird every day on PBS and Oscar the Grouch, and they don't feel bad, so I decided I'm also not going to feel bad. These are the laws that govern God's financial anointing. Law nine, the law of the family. First Timothy 5.8, those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. So there's laws. You can't prosper running off on your family and having your wife and kids fend for themselves. Just wanted to close out on a low note. Abraham took care of his family and the families of the men that worked for him. So you can't expect God to do for you what you won't do for other people. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. If you treat everybody like dirt, you can't put a claim in on God's treasure. You have to treat others how you'd want to be treated if you were in their position. Amen. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.